0: Welcome to the weekly message from Encounter, where the past has no future and hope is reborn. Our speaker today is Bishop Michael Rice, lead pastor at Encounter. I want to share something with you that there's nothing else I can share except what God has been so forcefully, forcefully speaking in my heart all week. It's found in Matthew chapter 24, simply entitled, Cold Hearts in the House of God. Cold Hearts in the House of God, Matthew 24, verse 20. Here Jesus is speaking and he says this, but pray that your flight be not in the winter, neither on the Sabbath day. Would you pray with me and for me this morning? Father, I I'm anxious to unburden my heart with what you burdened it with. But I'm all too familiar, God, after all these years, that it's really your Holy Spirit that does the work. and So, I release him to do what he does so well. And that is to speak to every individual heart. Father, I thank you now that your word will not return void. It will accomplish that which you sent it to do and nothing else. I bind every lying spirit. I bind every spirit of bondage. I bind every spirit of spiritual deafness. And I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. We have to know the setting for this for just a moment so that we can share it properly. If you look back up at verse number 3 in Matthew 24, Jesus was sitting upon the Mount of Olives, and the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us when shall these things be, and what shall be the sign of thy coming, and of the end of the world. Chapter 24 of Matthew is probably one of the most misunderstood scriptures when it comes to end time events. And I've seen well-meaning individuals who try to explain those things that are facing us. There is the coming of the Lord. There is the tribulation period. There is the end of everything when Christ sets up his rule and reign on this planet. And... He's been asked those three questions here, and people have tried to explain each of those and, and not putting it in proper order. And we're not going to do that today. It's too long and involved. But, but this, this chapter has been, his answers have been misunderstood because according to your, each personal belief, people, people put the wrong answer to the wrong question. And this much I've learned in life, if you ask the wrong question, you'll get the wrong answer. And, and they misapply what is about to happen. And Jesus warns them that when, when this is all taking place, he, he tells them to pray. He's telling them that, that what you face is bigger than your own personal resources. You're not going to be able to get through this on your own. He's telling them ahead of time, you need to call for help. But what he instructs them about the days that they're going to face, he's also talking over their heads to us. Because none of them are going to be alive when any of this takes place. And he's instructing those that in fact, you'll find in, verse, in chapter 24, at one point, Jesus said this. He that reads this and understands, hear what I'm saying. They couldn't understand all that he was saying because it didn't apply to them. It, 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 it didn't apply to the age and the season of this planet that you and I live in. It's kind of like they're, he's talking to them. But he's looking at us, making sure that you understand. And he's telling us figuratively a caution. He says, Pray. I've I've said to my my sons on more than one occasion, I've said to people that I I work with on more than one occasion, I I say to nearly everybody that that I interview that we hire in the daycare. They interview with Ira and Mindy, and if they pass that test, then then they, they, they land in front of me. And I, I'm, I don't determine whether or not they're capable. I don't determine whether or not they fit in as part of the team. My purpose of being there, and I tell them, is I'm the old guy. And I, I feel a great responsibility to the people who bring their children to this daycare. They're trusting us with their kids. And I feel like I owe them this. I want to look in the eyes of everybody's going to work in this daycare. And in my mind, I'm answering one question. Would I let this person watch my kid? And if the answer to that question is no, I don't care how capable they are. That's my contribution. I, I'm, I'm, I want to be comfortable. How many know what I'm talking about? This may sound old school to you, but this is what I got, okay? And I, I, I owe that to the parents. I, I've told my, my, my sons at times that I'll say, you, you know, you need to be careful, da-da-da, oh, dad. And I said, before you owe dad, okay? Been around for a while. Not always right, but I can tell you what I've learned. Be careful here. Watch out for that. And I've learned not to say, I told you so. Jesus is is talking not just to the disciples. He's talking over their head to you and I. And he's saying this to us. Pray. Don't run into this thing like you can just handle it. You can't. I had a bad habit as a young man. I've almost freed myself of it. I thought I could do anything. I started a roofing company when I was 14 years old, and my first employee was my older brother who would drive me because I can't drive. I lost so much money in my first roof, it wasn't funny. I had to borrow money to finish it. That's the only way I could talk to somebody and let me do their roof at 14 is it be so stinking cheap. They're like, and when my cheap price wasn't enough, I said, you don't have to pay me a dime until I'm done, and you like it. And that, you know, that was good enough for them. Well, I had a bad habit. I, I look at anything. Somebody says, man, the roof you did look great. Do you know anybody that does siding? Yeah, we do siding. Thankfully, they didn't ask as of when, because I'd say it's about two minutes ago. (laughs) Do you do this? Yeah, we do that. Jesus is warning you and I. Don't think that what's coming, you can handle yourself. You need resources beyond your resources to get through this. And one of the things he tells us to pray about is that our flight not be in winter. He was talking to them and talking about the the flight from what is coming, but he's also talking about our flight from this planet. He's talking about the reality that is appointed unto every man wants to die and then judgment. And he's saying to each of us, you, you need to be in prayer about a matter. Make sure that you're passing. Make sure that your flight from this life to the next does not happen in winter. Now, let's, let's, let's deal with the obvious. He wasn't talking about the months of December, January, and February. He wasn't saying, pray that you don't die in those months. So we got to look for another answer. We got to look at what does winter mean? Winter means the time when it's cold. Jesus is saying to you and I, "Don't, don't think you can handle this on your own. You need to be praying. That you don't die when you're cold. We, we, we live in a day when we, I understand, we don't like to talk about death. We I, under, I, I get it. Nobody does. But I, I've been pastor long enough that I've seen the full spectrum. I've seen the little old lady sitting in church who seemed like she was in good health and She never made it back to next week. She was buried on Thursday. I've been the pastor of an individual who the week before celebrated that he got a four-ride scholarship to Ohio State University as a linebacker named All Ohio Mr. Football and didn't make it back to church ever again because he died in his bed I've been there as a pastor to see the mother bring her little baby to church and and show it off to everybody and, and everybody wanted to hold it and everybody wanted to sniff its head. And the child didn't make it back to next Sunday. So the reality is none of us know None of us know. You think you know, but you don't know. I understand it's not a pleasant subject to talk about, but I got a responsibility. Your blood's on my hands. I have to preach what God puts on my heart to preach. And the reality is none of us know. If you were like me as a kid... Dad left you certain things that had to be done before, you got, before he got home. You quickly calculated how long it took to do those things. And then you asked him what time will he be home. He said, I'll be home at 6 o'clock and that better be done. And if you figured it took you half an hour, you started at 5.30. How many know what I'm talking about? That's just the way we are. The problem is that we don't know. We don't know when that moment is coming. We don't know when the rapture is going to take place. So Jesus said, you'd better pray. That it doesn't happen when you're cold. When the fire of God has been lost in you. Winter is also a time when there's the least amount of light. The shortest day of the year. Is december twenty second. There is the least amount of light in winter time. Jesus is saying, Don't don't think you can get through that on your own. You need to pray that you don't die when you're cold and you're at the lowest level of light. Third thing that winter means it's, nothing's growing. It's, it's stagnant. It's, it's covered over with the lack of light and the cold, and it just sits there. And Jesus is telling us something. He's, he's warning us. Think about the love of God. Thousands of years ago, he knew what you and I would be facing, and he cared enough to tell us about it. And he said to you and I, be careful. Be careful you don't die cold with little light and nothing growing in your life. Be careful. Don't let that happen. If you read through the book of Acts and you read the epistles, you find that there were people that once worked side by side with Paul, the apostle, who fled the faith. Somebody says, Pastor, do you believe in eternal security? My answer is yes. As long as you don't leave God, he will never leave you. You are eternally secure. He will never divorce you. I will never leave you or forsake you. But that doesn't prevent you and I from leaving him. Paul himself talked about a man who once stood with Paul, labored with him, then fled the faith. And Paul said he, Demas loved the things of this world more than he loved the things of God. And he's left me. So I ask you this morning, Are you in a winter season? This is between you and God. Are you in a winter season? Have you grown cold? If the fire of God in you at some time in your life is greater than it is now, you've grown cold. How to tell you you have a cold heart. When the reality that people are slipping into hell daily doesn't move you anymore. I ask you this week, and I ask you in love, because I want to tell you that everybody who's looking at me and and, and you can see my face, all of us are here because somebody prayed for us. Somebody, somewhere called on God. There was a time in my life, a number of years ago, I had somebody that out of duty, I prayed for them, but they were the coldest person in this world that I knew. And they treated me like garbage, and it was hard to pray for them to get saved. And year after year, faithfully, I prayed for them, and And then just one moment, you know, I was just, I I, I started to pray for them, and I just stopped, and I said, you know, God, it is is so hard to pray for them. They are so heartless. They're so cold. It doesn't help that they hate my guts. God, I, I just, it's so hard to pray for them. And in a moment, in a moment, he gave me a glimpse of his heart for them. He said, your heart would be cold too if you never knew what it was like to be loved. And now, every, that was years ago, and now when I go in prayer and they come to my mind, my eyes fill with tears for them. When was the last time the Holy Spirit moved you to hit your knees. to call out to God for somebody's soul. Get mad at me. That's okay. It's not me you're getting mad at. When was the last time we 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 we, we relish in the story of how Jesus left the 99 To go after the one that was lost because we think about how he did that for us. And and yet now that we're one of the ninety nine. Are you praying for him to go after the one that doesn't know him? The one whose heart has been damaged by somebody, the one whose mind is clouded with reasoning. The one who's been deceived And not knowing there's a God in heaven who loves them immeasurably. And just if these scales could be removed from their eyes and and the, 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 the wounds from their heart, they could come to know him. We want the shepherd to stay with the 99 when we ought to be empowering him to go after the one. And if all we do all week long is pray for our needs. Then that's exactly what we're doing. God, I'm glad you left the 99 and came after the one when I was the one. But now that I'm the 99, I need you to take care of me. Come on, church. When was the last time you fought hell for somebody's soul? When was the last time the Holy Spirit was able to knock on the heart's door in the middle of the night and say, Get up and pray. I know what it's like to go through seasons of winter in my life. I'm not preaching down to anybody. But I'm preaching to people and telling you that's not a good place to be. I know what it's to be like in the winter season when I'm hurt and, and, and I'm full of doubt. And I become all consuming about my life and my problems, and my heartaches, and my desires. And then I'm literally like the dog chasing his tail. And I start doing the things that God said he would do for me automatically. He said, the birds, I take care of them. The flowers, I take care of them. And all of your worrying and all of your stressing doesn't it, does it fix anything. If you will seek first the kingdom of God... I will add all these other things unto you. Well, the kingdom of God where it's absent in somebody's life is a place that you and I ought to be seeking. We ought to walk into Walmart and not looking to simply buy the thing we're looking to buy. We ought to be looking for the treasure in the people in, in the eyes that we see. My wife and I pray every day, God, give us a word for somebody. We know that our very footsteps are ordered of you. Tell us something to say to somebody. Let us do something that helps somebody's life. Let us be used of you in some way. And God's been faithful. I've walked up to people in Walmart and prayed and see God manifest on them. I've been there in the middle of the night at 2.30 in the morning when God wakes me up and shows me a man sitting in a car with a beer in one hand and a a gun in another. And I got to go to him. Hindsight, maybe I should have been better prepared. I didn't know what I was supposed to say. But I went the mile down the road where he was and I saw the car sitting there behind the warehouse and I walked around to his passenger door and I opened it up and I sat down and shut the door. <laughs> I said, "Amen." Hey, man. And there was the beer and there was the gun. And in that moment, I'm thinking, you know, God, if you ever tell me to do this again, I should ask you, what should I do when I get there? Because I have no idea what to do right now. I just sat in the car of a man with a gun who's drunk. When was the last time God broke your heart over somebody? I want to tell you from personal experience. I want to tell you from my own mistakes that if you're not careful, your whole life will become about you. about what ails you and what you wish you had and the struggles you have. And I understand struggles are real and I understand that pain hurts. But can I tell you, compared to somebody slipping into hell without God, it's nothing. It's nothing compared to what they face. I'm glad somebody... Grabbed a hold of the altars of prayer and prayed for me. How do you know you have a cold heart? There's little light. I don't ask you when was the last time you read your Bible. You should read it often. I'm going to ask you when was the last time you let your Bible read you? Rather than just saying, I got my two chapters in today. When was the last time you took your Bible and you said, God, shine light in my heart. Would there be any wicked thing in me. Show me. There's something I can do for somebody. Speak to me. There's an area in my heart that's wrong. Talk to me. And then expect to go into it for answers. Not as a form of religion. The thing is alive. It's living. It's Jesus in written form. And he's waiting to talk to you. But you're too busy. You've bought the lie that you're so important and so you're so busy and you don't have time. Think about how ridiculous that is. There was a man by the name of J.C. Penny. You ever heard of his stores? He's long ago passed away, but he opened the J.C. Penny stores, and yet most people don't know that every Sunday he taught a Sunday school class in his church. And somebody asked him about that. You, you, with all that you've got to do, you have time to prepare to teach. A Sunday school class? And he said, if a man has too much business to do business with God, he's got too much business. Most people don't know the founder of Welch's Grape Juice. Faithfully also taught a Sunday school class. He had a lot on his plate. So one great equalizer of mankind. All of us have 24 hours in a day. Every single one of us. How do you know your heart's cold? There's little light. Let me ask you a question. I ask you because I love you. When was the last time he spoke to you? Hear me. When was the last time? He hasn't gone mute. This is what he said. My sheep will know my voice. You know what that means? That means that's an int- that know is an intimate word. It's an intimate word. Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived. My people will know. they have an intimate relationship with my voice. We all go through seasons where it seems like God goes quiet. I'm convinced he goes quiet to draw us near. But when was the last time? He's hurting for those that are hurting. When was the last time he slipped his hand into you, his glove, and used you to minister to somebody? Lord, give me a word. I, I, God, send me a word. I, I had people that, you know, they were precious people. They were good to us. They loved us as pastor. And they had been backslid and away from God for a number of years. And they finally gave their hearts back to God and began to attend church and did for a while. And, and then one time they came to me and said, Pastor, I, we feel like we need to move on. So I'm sorry to hear that. What, what, what's going on And they said, Pastor, we, we we need a word from you every week. We need you to, I said, I, I, I give a word every week. And they said, no, no, a personal word from God for us. We don't, we don't know, you know, we don't know what God has to say to us unless you tell us. He said, Man, that ain't me. That ain't how it works. He he wants to tell you himself. My job isn't to be the go-between. My job is to introduce the two of you. Come on, folks. And he can talk to you. He can use you. She called me on the phone. Her name was Dottie, and she said, Pastor, what are you doing? And I said, "Um, that's an odd question. What do you mean? Can you come? I said, well, Dottie, what's wrong? And she said, you know, my sister... That I've been praying about all these years? Yeah. Well, I went to her house today. I felt of God to go to her house today. And we've sat in her living room and talked for the last hour and a half. And, and she's she's I asked her if she was ready to get saved. And she started crying and said, Yes. She said, Pastor, how fast can you get here? I said, Hold on, Dottie. You you prayed for your sister all these years? Yes. And God today told you to go over to her house and talk to her about him? Yes. And, and she's there ready to get saved? Yes. What are you doing on the phone with me? <laughs> Girl, have at it. <laughs> she goes, I can do that? And I said, my, that's what you're called for. She goes, oh, my gosh, goodbye. Goodbye. That's what you're called for, church. And can I tell you that if you don't start giving light away, you'll lose your own light. The kingdom of God, it isn't about what you get. It's about what you give. You get fire by giving fire. You get light by giving light. You're stuck in a rut and God isn't speaking to you about your needs. Can I I tell you the surefire way to get out of that rut? Quit asking to talk to you about you. Ask him, God, give me a word for somebody. Give me something I can do for somebody. Speak to me about somebody. And then do that. And the light you're looking for and the fire you're looking for, you're going to see in their eyes. Come on, church. Little light. Bible says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. That's a connection. Connection. I know this. If you let him, the enemy will give you reasons to not assemble with other believers. He'll point out their faults and their shortcomings. I'm glad to be a part of a body of believers that's a bunch of misfits. I'm okay with that. I never have liked associating with people who who thought they were perfect because I know I'm not. I I like y'all just being real. We We need to get over just building our own little fires. We need to know there are no lone rangers in the kingdom of God. You think you don't need the body? You, you have been deceived somewhere. You don't think you need to be plugged in? Down through the years, the times I've had people say, "Pastor, I'm I don't get nothing out of our services." When did going to service be all about what I got? Is that could could we, could we be any more selfish? Sometimes you're supposed to go to give. I'm not talking about the offering. Number one complaint I've heard from people who quit going to church. Number one complaint, hands down. I would not be exaggerating if I didn't hear it hundreds of times. Pastor, I missed a couple of weeks and nobody called me. Nobody, nobody came by. Nobody sent a card. Nobody, nothing. I understand that hurts. I understand that. And so I sincerely tell them, I'm sorry that happened to you. I, I know that spoke ugly things to you. I understand that. But let me ask you a question, and all sincerity. You've been there nine years. Do you know how many people have left our church in nine years? How many of those people did you ever call? How many did you ever visit? How many did you ever send a card to? And usually I'm met with just that kind of a silence. The reality of people, we're supposed to be holding on to each other. We're supposed to be assembling together on a regular basis. Wednesday night, God does things around here. You, You need to be ready for an answer to God as to why you chose not to be here on Wednesday nights. You need to be ready for that because you'll be taxed with that. Whatever excuse you give probably will pale. little growth there's not a tangible difference between your walk with God now and what it was six months ago you're in a winter season listen folks we ought to be growing all the time all right so nobody's running shouting nobody's amening me I'm barely getting head nods and I grew up in a rough area There was, this God's honest truth, our study hall monitor was an armed police officer back in the 70s. I've had gang members nod to me like you guys are nodding to me. All right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. God moved me from my first church our first church and I'd gone through a weird season I loved being there and then that I didn't like being there and I asked him to get me out of there and he wouldn't get me out of there and then I had fallen again in love with being there and in the midst of that He told me he was going to move me. I struggled with that. I had a man who was kind of a mentor, somewhat of a mentor, at least somebody I could go to who had wisdom and a fellow pastor, and I called him up and I said, man, i got to ask you a question. When do you leave? Do you leave when everything's falling apart or do you leave when everything's going good? And he said, yes. He said, you leave whenever God moves you, irrespective of what's going on. So I went back to God and I said, God, why why am I moving? And he said this to me, you have become nothing but a pleasant voice to them. hard word, isn't it? Is there growth? Is there growth in your life? Are you more of a believer now than you were six months ago? Are you more of a believer now than you were a year ago? Is there more evidence of God in your life now? We, we, we live at a house that was built in 1951, and the people bought the land We bought it from the people that originally built the house in 1951. They're the only ones that ever lived in the house. And they planted all the trees there. Well, you know, trees have a lifespan. Some trees have a lifespan, 50, 60 years. We're we're 70 years now, almost in. Our trees are dying left and right. I, I thought I would keep ahead of them by cutting them down when they're dead. Now I just wait for them to fall. The ones that might hurt somebody. But you can tell the ones that are dead because they don't grow anymore. There's, there's no green. In winter, spring, summer, fall, you look at them and they're just brown. We have a couple near our driveway that are big trees, but they're dead. Back when I had the old van, I used to park it right near those trees. Hoping that maybe... <coughs> I can finally collect on some insurance money. Now, you should see me. I got a little zero turn mower. And when I got to mow around them, you know, I'm just putting along and I get near that tree. <laughs> quick, get away from it because it's. I'm I, 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 driving away. I'm looking like this. Like, is it falling on me now? There's no growth. There's no growth. Listen, this isn't a. Objective. This is subjective. Can, do you know that you've grown? Can you, can you describe how you've grown in the last six months? Can you tell what's going on in your life now that wasn't going on six months ago or a year ago? Can you, can you verbalize how that you're better? In America, we have an abnormal view of what Christianity looks like. Yeah, Pastor, I'm still I'm still a believer, right? I ain't hit nobody, I ain't robbed nobody, I ain't stolen nothing. I go to church. I'm I'm, I'm easy getting along with. I don't do nothing wrong. That's that's our that's our description of a Christian. That's a description of a good person. That's not a description of a person of, of a Christian. The Bible says that when everything is said and done all will be gathered before him and the books will be opened and the book will be opened. And all of mankind will be judged out of that. I believe the book is the Bible. So what does the Bible say about a Christian? If you want to know what a Christian is, you don't hold it up to your heart. You don't hold it up to what the pastor said or the Sunday school lesson. You hold it up to the one book that's going to be there on that day. Matthew 16, verse 15. And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. But he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Jesus could not make it any more clear. This is your go, no-go gauge. This is your is, am I a believer or am I not a believer? David, come here. David, if you would stand right there, Stetson. You and I look at these two men and we say, which one's a believer? I want you to notice. Stetson, you're going to be the unbeliever. All right? Because that's most believable. (laughs) Notice Jesus doesn't describe him, he says, go into all the world and preach the gospel. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved. He that doesn't believe shall be damned. So the first question that comes to our mind is, how can you tell the difference? Here's what Jesus said. Here's how you can tell the difference. This man will speak with new tongues. He'll not run around belittling people, tearing people down, cursing Telling foul jokes. He'll be going around speaking life. He'll go around sharing the heart of God. He'll speak with new tongues. That shall take up serpents. What does that mean? Handle snakes? No, it means they'll go around finding people who are ensnared by the devil, who are wrapped up in drugs, alcohol, sex, money. Wrapped up in depression grab a hold of that demon and said you get let loose of that child of god they'll go after somebody who's in bondage and they'll free them from that bondage they'll lay hands on the sick and see them recover they'll cast out demons jesus says if you want to know who is saved it's the guy that's doing this and if he isn't doing this, he's part of this group right here. So I love you enough to ask you a question. Do you look like this? Not this. You un- oh, dear Lord, no. Lord, let's not go there. Right. Let's not- I know. We have enough homeliness around here, okay? Yeah. Me and David are filling our vat of loneliness or homeliness to ourselves, okay? okay? This group is full, okay? But I'm talking about this is what a believer looks like. They were my worship leaders. They were my Sunday school teachers. They showed up early at 8 o'clock on a Sunday morning, two hours before service to make sure they were set up. Make sure that they had their songs ready. Make sure they were prepared. They seemed anointed. People that seemed to enjoy their worship leading. And one day, my wife and I were out doing visitation, and we, we, we had stopped at several places, and nobody was home. And we realized we were near their house, and so we thought we'd just stop by and, and and say hello and and you know chat with them for a little bit. And but I wanted to make sure it was okay. And this is a day before cell phones. I picked. Stopped at a pay phone. I put my dime in and called him up, and he answered. And I said, hey, Billy, it's Pastor. How you doing, man? He goes, hello? I said, yeah, Billy, this is Pastor. He goes, hello? I said, oh, man, he can't hear me, you know. So I heard him hang up, and we dug up another dime, and I, I took the mouthpiece off the phone to make sure everything looked right, and I, I banged it because that fixes stuff. And I put another dime in, and I called them back up, and he answered, and I go, Billy, it's pastor. Can you hear me? He goes, hello? I started laughing. And all of a sudden, he just let loose. You blankety-blank, this and 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 hung up the phone. He didn't know who it was. He's not speaking with new tongues. You know what else he didn't do? I never saw him lay hands on the sick and see them recover. I never seen him go after the devil in somebody else's life and chase them out. Come on. I did see him perform his music with talent. I ask you something. I ask you because I love you as your pastor. I ask you at the risk of offending you. Do you look like this? Or are you part of everybody else? Because Jesus said, here's how you can tell between that one and that one. This one talks differently. This one goes after demons and other people's lives this one prays for the sick and they sees them recover. And this one's part of a group of everybody else, which means they don't speak with new tongues. They don't go after the demons in other people's lives. They don't lay hands on the sick and see them recover. Listen to me, folks, listen to me. One day, the book, these verses will be the gauge. You won't be able to stand where Stetson's standing and say, Lord, I I, I didn't know. He said, I wrote it down. I told you what this looks like. Now I ask you, you guys can be seated, thanks. Which one do you look like? You want to know why he didn't tell us what the, the the those that are going to end up in damnation look like? Because they can look like everything but that. Because you can you can guard your tongue around the people of God for a while. We know what I'm talking about. You can act holy, you can act righteous, you can act like a Christian. Jesus is saying, no, that these people have a goods. That's Bishop Michael Rice, lead pastor of Encounter. More messages from Pastor Rice are available at our website, godenc.com. You can subscribe to our regular podcast through our website or on iTunes. Find us on Facebook under Encounter.